And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Everything is happening all at the same time. The 2020 NHL Draft completed. The free agency period underway. And now we have to break it all down. So it's going to be a long one, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Episode 240 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Uh, just a disclaimer about how everything's going to work this week. For each division, we're going to ask and debate a series of questions. And um, and then next week, we'll probably break down other stuff that has happened and, and maybe... Uh, tackle uh, some topics that we've shelved in uh, previous weeks once we get to the off season. Uh, but uh, for today, Brett, we have a lot to talk about here. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're, I think this is our first time that we're changing things up a little bit. Cause usually we just yeah. talk about like the big signings, the big trades and the, yep. the draft and stuff. But I think it's kind of, cause usually they're all, you know, the draft happens one week and then July 1st yeah. happens the next week. So we can kind of cover it, um, you know, separately. But I feel like this is just an interesting way of doing it because we're now we're just doing it by division and we're going to ask the same three questions for each division. Uh, so the three questions are which team had the best draft in the division, which teams has had the best free agency signing so far, um, and which teams needs to do more um, in weeks to come. Um, so yeah, I have that list and then I have some things in case that we don't mention it. I, I have those things as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a fun thing. A lot of stuff has happened in the last, last week or so. So, um, definitely, definitely fun. All right. So we're going to start off with the Atlantic and this is fitting because this is the home of my favorite team and your favorite team, Ottawa and Boston, of course. But, um. But yeah, so we're going to start off with which team had the best draft. Um, so I'm going to start, you, you can start with uh, with your answer here. Okay, so um, I, I feel like, um, I feel like kind of biased by saying this, um, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think Ottawa did the best draft. And the reason I'm saying that is because they had to. Yeah. Um, this team simply put, not going to get better overnight. But this was a step closer to greatness. And um, I really think they did a terrific job in the first round. Um, as you all know, Germany has produced a lot of good NHL players since 2014. They've produced three top 10 picks, the latest being Tim Stutzel. Um, might be butchering his name wrong. I should probably learn how to pronounce it correctly because yeah. I'll be rooting for him for many, many years. Um, and apparently he's out six to eight weeks after suffering an injury in practice, which not a great start, but um, definitely love the hype, the potential around this kid. As a rookie, he had 34 points in 41 games while playing in Germany's top pro league. 18 years old when he did that, he turns 19 in January. Uh, at the World Juniors in 2020, he had five assists in five games. All the tools are in this kid's toolbox. Nothing that gets in his way. Solid hockey IQ, usually something that people look for in a top three selection. How good is his IQ? His IQ is very good. Um, someone that can deke, he can shoot, stick handle extremely well. Every single shift, he's generating something positive. If anything, 
sends GM Pierre Dorian just wants him to shoot the puck more. And you know what? If that's the only problem with this top three pick, you know what? Fine. You know, it, working on your shot, shooting the puck more, something that comes with time and something that can be easily learned and, and acquired. So um, really like the upside that he brings. Fifth overall was interesting because um, one of Rossi and Perfetti would have been available at that point. As it turns out, both were. And um, Ottawa ends up taking Jake Sanderson, who in the eyes of Pierre Dorian is the best defenseman in the draft, even better than Jimmy Drysdale. Now, I would have loved to have Rossi, one of Rossi or Perfetti, just because their hockey IQ is so good. The upside is so good. They could use a number one center. If you look at their center depth, it's all right, but it's not great. Yeah. Um, they have Colin White listed on the right wing. Uh, Daily Faceoff does. So, um, you know, if you have like Josh Norris uh, down the middle and then Logan Brown, and then you have Tierney and Anisimov in the bottom six. I don't think really you can like build a winner off of that solid list of four players taking faceoffs. So if someone like Rossi or Perfetti makes them more dynamic in that front, then great. The thing is, Ottawa is probably not going to be great this year again. So maybe they feel they could get that future number one center if there is one in the 2021 draft. Yeah. But you don't always see good shutdown defensemen like Jake Sanderson available. And Mark Borbieski's abilities were the closest thing to shutdown defense they had last season, and he's gone. And yeah. you have Ron Heinze, who is getting older, and they have a lot of good young defensemen, but a lot of them are offensive base. Not too many of them um, really intimidate you when it comes to stopping enemy chances. Sanderson is just a flat-out beast. This guy had 29 points in 47 games with the under-18 uh, national development program in the U.S. Just flat-out competes every night, which Ottawa needs guys that compete. Um, offensively, defensively, he's got the hockey sense. Um, he can play this style of hockey at a quick pace. And with this becoming a faster and faster sport, you need players that can keep up with the play. He can do that. Um so I can understand why they make the Sanderson pick. I can deal with that. Um, Ridley Greg, final first rounder, 28th overall. Um, he had 60 points, 26 goals in his draft year as a WHL uh, skater. He had uh, 14 goals and 35 points uh, as a rookie the year before. Uh, this is a guy that really gets under your skin. His NHL comparable is Brad Marchand, which <laughs> I think we can – all agree is a very talented player, but also very, very, very much a pain in the ass. Um, and, you know, with guys like Brendan Gallagher, um, Ottawa already has pretty good check. You know, uh, the Sens want to get tougher to play against. Really great can do that. He can also make big plays, just always moving, always competitive. He can play key minutes at even strength on the power play, on the penalty kill. And... Um, they were actually mentioning on uh, the sports station here in Ottawa, TSN 1200, that there are some similarities to Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who was a senator for many, many years, and just a spark plug on um, like a second or a third line type of deal. Um, so definitely really Greg fits the mold of what the Ottawa senators uh, want to do. 
Uh, Roby Gerventi in round two. That he was their first pick around two. I had a little bit of doubts on that pick because you had guys like Ian Mishak that were available, Ryan O'Rourke, JJ Paterka, who went the next pick to Buffalo. Um, but I was looking at uh, Gerventi's stats. Uh, he's a, a Finnish player, a decent 23 15 38 stat line in 36 games, um, in one of the um, lower junior leagues in finland and then he plays in four liga games this year and he has a goal and three assists so that's in the league against men he's a point per game player this year uh one of those guys that can anticipate plays pretty well in the offensive zone um he has a feel for where the puck is going to be next he can pull off in- impressive moves at full speed um displays good habits by keeping the puck close to his frame if if you need to know anything about the ottawa senators and any good team key to winning games limiting turnovers limiting your mistakes and it sounds like he is a guy that doesn't cause too many um on on his end so that's good to hear um sounds like someone that's tough to contain tougher to play against again seeing a pattern the sends want to get tougher to play against um the one thing i probably didn't like was trading up to get tyler clubin and i was just hearing the rhetoric on twitter that uh, when the Devils made uh, their pick, uh, Shakir McNamadoulin, I think that's how you pronounce yep. his name, they were mentioning, oh, you think reaching for Tyler Clevin would be a stretch? They really reached for this guy. And I'm I'm just thinking, okay, you know, maybe Tyler Clevin's not a bad pick. I'm hearing, like, he's pretty tough to play against, but he can get exposed really, really badly. Um, if If that was the rhetoric around him, why not just wait? Why not just wait till it's your turn instead of trading up and then costing a second and then a third later only to get this guy? Like, why? why uh, I don't really see why he was worth trading up for. So just the trading up to get him is what I had a bit of concern about. But hopefully um, they're able uh, to turn that around. And then um, one of their final picks in round three was Igor Sokolov. I really, really, yeah, that really love one. that pick. As an overager, he was great in the queue. But then you look at his size. The dude is like six foot four at the start of last year, weighed 231 pounds. He weighs 223 now. He got 46 goals and 92 points as an overager. Yeah. I know there's a bit of a risk of getting an overager, but you know what? The second round pick, if there's a guy with that much offensive upside, you take him. So um, I think that was a, a good gamble for Ottawa to make at that stage. So overall, Ottawa had to have a good draft, and I give them a solid beat. I think Ottawa <laughs> did well. So, so you give the team that you thought had the best draft a B in, yeah. in related tuition. I mean, okay. I would have liked an A-, minus, but, but a B is pretty good. <laughs> okay. A solid B. Okay. Well, okay, so well, first off, I, I will say my own – teams and stuff but um i uh i i don't i i i know that there were rumors about jake sanderson being the fifth pick and that that happened to be the case and stuff but uh the one thing like and i can understand like not taking another center after you already take tim stutzel uh but at the same time marco rossi was clearly like he's been like like the second best player in the CHL for the past mm-hmm. two years, um, other than Lafreniere. And I know he's five nine and all that stuff. And you were talking about that last week, but like yep. I 
I can't believe they passed on him. It's it seems it seemed like they they should have. Um, so so that I don't understand. The other thing about Jake Sanderson, and I started to realize this is uh, Thomas Shabbat, Eric Brandstrom, and Jake Sanderson all have well, other than being drafted by the auto senate or you know being in the auto senator system. Um, they're, they're also defensemen, but they're also, all three of them are left-handed. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not sure the long-term plan of that, and I know Jake Sanderson doesn't project to be anywhere offensive compared to the other two guys, but like at the same time, it feels like um, that might not be the smartest idea. Maybe one of them can move to the right hand and maybe... I don't, I don't really know how hard it is to transition, but it is something to consider for sure. Um, as for the other guys, I'm, I'm not really sure. But um, And then as for my draft, uh, in terms of to answer my, <laughs> this question, um, I, I, just, I have a list of few here before I get into the, my actual answer. But um, I liked what Detroit did. Uh, mm. Lucas Raymond's going to be pretty good. And then they also got, um, Theodore Niederbach in the second round who I like as well. Um, yeah, he's having a really good year this year. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I like Florida Anton Lindell's probably going to help them out. They, they do well with, uh, Finnish centers as well. So, um, I like that, that pick. Um, and then, um, Montreal, I, I hate to say it, but Montreal also did pretty well. Uh, Caden Gould actually might be a, a nice pick. He's more of a shutdown guy, but I think I I prefer him more to like than like Braden, Brandon Sh- uh, Schneider, uh, as I mentioned last week. Um, I also like the Luke Tuck pick, and um, I was just upset that they got John, Jan Mysek, um late in the second round, and because I, I was. So I, I was hyping him up last week, and now I'm like, oh, now I can't even root for him because he's now on the Canadians. But um, so I, I like that pick for them as well. But I'm actually gonna go with my the other division rival. Um, I'm gonna have to say Toronto had the best draft of this um, of this uh, division. Um, because first off, I liked what uh, they did with Rodion Amirov. Um, he's yeah. been really, really good in the KHL. Like, uh, and he's like 19 years old in the KHL. That's a that's a big man's league too. So, um, like, I think he has like nine points in 15 games or something like that right now. Um, so, um, oh, sorry, six <laughs> six points in 13 games. That's still pretty good. Um, it's around like half a point per yeah. game. And it's, it's also nice for him when he's, like, like, they don't, like, I think Toronto's in the position where they don't necessarily need these players to be good right away, so yep. they can, like, afford to, like, because Amirov's probably going to be, like, maybe five years from now, but, um, yeah. but he, he could, if, if it pans out, it's going to pan out. Um, I also like the Ronnie Hervonen uh, pick, um, and then the William Villeneuve pick as well um but however so so here's a little story about me here with the Bruins I the Bruins only had four picks um and then I um and because I have like doing all these like I'm in a bunch of leagues 
and doing prospect draft picks. I've been like focusing in on all these different guys and stuff. And then, um, and then I, I, every time the Bruins would pick, I'd just be like, I hope they get VT Mietinen. I just like they have to get him. Like, and I couldn't like believe like was there something I'm missing with VT Mietinen? Um, I don't know what's going on. But then all of a sudden he goes to the sixth round, and of course he goes to Toronto. Um, I I think there is something to the fact that he is five nine. I think that probably had something to do with why he slipped, but. At the same time, he still had like a really, really good um, draft year in the. Um, sorry, give me one second. The um, why am I blanking on? I think it was a Liga, um, and then he um, now he's going to be in the Saint Cloud State um, as well. So. Um, uh, he had like 31 point, uh, sorry, 73 points in 52 games. Um, and it, it was just like impressive. And he, he like projects, I guess it's comparable is Victor Arvidsson. Um, and I was just, I was like, um, I was, I was livid that he went that far in this sixth round. So I feel like that's like going to be a steal and we're going to look back. It's like, how did, how did he go in the sixth round? So I'm I'm giving them the best draft just because of that that steal in in particular, um, and then, um, I I guess Boston and Buffalo kind of had a crazy draft um, at the opposite end, um, but um, we'll I I think I'll get into that a, a little bit later. But for Boston, they mostly picked. Um, it was interesting for Boston's case because they picked, they had four picks. So like, because they traded a lot of them away, which is, which is fair. Yeah, so that's, not, what, that's what, yeah. that's what teams ready to win now do. They yeah. don't have too many draft and picks I, to choose. And, and don't get me wrong. I totally get that. I'm not complaining about that. And I get it. However, <laughs> however, 2020 is supposed to be this really, really, really deep draft. Um, yeah. and, um, you're like, and even, and even though you don't have your first round pick, like, you can still get, you know, get something out of your second round pick because that's, you know, you, odds are those guys are also going to be in the NHL pretty soon too. Um, and, like, even in the third round, you can do that. But all four of these guys are um, either played in the USHL or the high, or high school. Um, there's Mason Lurie. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, Trevor Kuntar, Mason Lankenbrunner, and Riley Duran. So those four guys. Um, and like I, th- I heard some like after re- doing some searches on and some scouting, I actually like what I'm see- like just from a stats perspective. I like what I'm seeing of Trevor Kuntar and um, Riley Duran even. But at the same time, these guys like. They haven't even gone into college yet. <laughs> they're not, like, you. we really, like, and these are, like, you know, they're in a league that's not really um, fit for them. And they did okay during that time. So, like, you could have, like, I get, these are definitely risky picks. And, but they're, all four of them are pretty much the same, same NHL path. They all went to, like, an American, like, league 
and they all like did pretty well and then they're all going to be in college and they're probably all going to be like four year take four years in their college stuff so i think this just shows to me that like i think maybe sweeney's trying to hit on like thinks that there's like um like you know teams aren't like doing this so he tried to hit on all these guys but even still it's like you're taking mason Lorai in the second round when you could have like traded down and got more picks and you know because there's no way Lorai is going to be taken in the second round um it's the same like i'm not even surprised because they took like the last three drafts that they've had they've reached on so uh so I, I I get the like the whole saying of like you like who you like and all that stuff and and obviously they don't they're not expected to do well right right away so it makes sense but at the same time it's just like they they could have like at least gotten these guys later on um, they didn't have to like spend all their draft picks on these guys um, so that's it I don't want to take too much out of the time out of that because I, I think we have a lot of stuff to get into well but. <laughs> I well, I will add something about Mason Lori because um, the the scouting report on this guy is pretty interesting mm. six foot three um, 37 points in 48 games for the Green Bay gamblers like you said yep. USHL team but this guy was seen as the focal point of his team's defensive core he can play the two-way game also smother you he can log minutes on all situations, penalty kill, power play, even strength, left-handed shot. Um, also, um, scouts are a fan of him as a puck carrier, which is good. His puck skills in small situations are distinct uh, positive, uh, particularly for a guy who is six foot three. He is quick and mobile, which, yep. again, you might also not expect. Got a snappy wrist shot along with a good form and um, perhaps a strong upper body. And just an inc- incredibly high panic threshold. Like, we're talking about a guy that's heavy but nimble but doesn't panic and has a very hockey uh, hockey IQ, a very uh-huh. good hockey IQ, which I think after losing Tory Krug, I think this is kind of the defenseman that Boston needs down the road. So yeah. I can kind of defend them with uh, the Mason Lorray pick. It, it might not look terrific right now but in a couple of years i can see it be one of their better yeah i mean I, I guess that's fair considering that they were about to lose out on tory Krug, so that that is the pick however they do have jack icon who they signed as a call it who did pretty well and he's probably going to be in the league pretty soon which takes me to yeah. my next point this like even if mason Lurai does well in the college um which it, it's definitely possible i don't i'm not saying like i hate the pick totally but yeah. Like, even if he does make it big in the college, he still is going to be in the league in, like, five five years at minimum. So, yeah. so that's, like, um, so, you, you know, you're planning, like, five years in advance, basically. And at True. that point, like, you're, like, those players aren't, like, our, our team's going to be rebuilding anyways. So, like... You should like it would be better if they took a guy like VT Mietinen or whoever um, who was available at that time, and instead of of picking this guy because you chances are you could get him later on, um, even though like if you believe in him I guess it makes sense but supposedly he got along with 
like Charlie McAvoy or something. Like it seems it seems like he's he's friends with um maybe it's not McAvoy, but he's friends with someone on the Bruins. But um but yeah, I feel like a second round pick was was kind of um weird. Um so so yeah. Anyways, I don't want to take too much time out of that. Um, and then also Buffalo, I don't know, like Jack Quinn could be good, but it feels like, and I know that they have like Dylan Cousins, of course they have Jack Eichel, they just got Eric Stahl, um, but like, I don't, I don't understand taking Jack Quinn over Marco Rossi or Cole Perfetti, um, that just, just doesn't make sense to me, but, um, but maybe, yeah, I mean, I, I can yeah. definitely get you behind you on that. Like the only guy with more goals than Jack Wynn was Nick Robertson yeah. and Jack Wynn didn't always play on the top line, didn't always get top power yeah. play minutes and he still had a big year. But like the reason why Tampa is so good is because they constantly pick the best players that can help them. Like in 2017, yeah. the year Stamkos was heard, they're battling through injuries like crazy. Guess who emerged? Braden Point. Yeah. And look at him. Stanley Cup champion, Conn Smythe runner-up, and he's a star for them. Yeah. Like, they traded Jonathan Druin because they thought, this Braden Point kid is going to be something special, so let's take our chances with him. So even if you have guys like Sam Reinhardt and Dylan Cousins that can play center and Rossi and Perfetti can play center, and and it's probably not a good idea to have too many centers, like – if Rossi becomes a better center than Sam Reinhardt, trade Sam Reinhardt so you can get defense, which you actually need right. still. Or so, or you could just move Marco Rossi to the wing. Like that's not a big yeah, deal. Yeah, and like either. they then they select JJ Paterka in round yeah. two, and where does he play? Oh, right wing. Where yeah. does Jack Quinn play? Oh, right wing. Yeah, who, that was weird. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah, that was, so that's a yeah, weird I, I, I I like Jack Quinn as a player, but I would have taken Rossi over him. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, Jack Quinn can score. He did get a lot of goals uh, last year, um, and I mean, you've been on him. He had fifty-two goals last year, so like you've been on him more than um, like you took. You said like oh, I think Jack Quinn's going to be a steal in the draft. Turns out he was a reach in the draft. <laughs> but uh, so uh, so yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, so now we go to the next question. Which teams had has had the, the best free agency signings so far? Free agency signings, okay. Um, all right, so in terms of free agency... Oh, actually, pieces, just in, ca- in case, have, do you have any other teams in the, um, in the Atlantic that we didn't get to? Um, no, I, I think we pretty much covered them. I will say... William Wallinder, the Red Wings also took him. Um, knowing their track record with European defensemen, I yeah, think he, he could be, be pretty him. good. Um, I like what you said about Montreal. Florida, Lundell might get uh, some time to warm up to. I, I I think he could help them, but I'm not really sure what Florida's end game is. Buffalo did reach with, with Jack Wynn a little bit, like you said. Um, but, um, yeah, pretty much hit on all the points. Tampa Bay's drafting. Um, the best way for them to keep winning is find diamonds in the rough. And they, I think they found some diamonds in the rough in this draft. And I think, um, you're going to see in a couple of years, uh, a lot of those diamonds make big statements. So, um, we'll, we'll, uh, circle back to that when the time comes in terms of best free agency, I'm going to go with the Leafs. Um, they didn't bring back Tyson Berry and Cody Cece. Totally get why, uh, Kapanen traded Johnson traded more on that later. Um, 
You look at uh, Miko Lettinen coming into the fold, Timu Kiviholm uh, receiving a new contract there. Both, I think, could be in a position to land roster spots. Same with Timmy Lilligren, same with Rasmus Sandin. You have guys like Alex Barabanov, that could be a bottom six regular, Denny Mulgan, who was re-signed, Jason Fetzer, who was re-signed. But uh, then they get these three key guys that I think could be a big difference maker for them. First one being Jimmy Beastie. I know as a former Hobie Baker winner, he hasn't really panned out in the NHL. You got him at, for one year at a price of 900K. Um, I think that could be some solid offensive upside for your bottom six. Hopefully it works out well for them. Uh, Zach Bregosian adds a bit of defensive depth for 1 million. I like that move a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wayne Simmons, bottom six grit. Maybe can score a handful of goals for you. Only costs you $1.5 million. I like that. The big fish was TJ Brody. Four-year commitment. Cost him a total of $20 million, $5 million per year. His defensive zone turnover rate was in the NHL's top 10 last year. Toronto's Achilles heel was defensive turnovers. True. They need defensemen that, can't, that don't turn the puck over. This guy rarely does that. Um, he makes their two-way defense a little better. I really hope this contract ages well because he can also provide a little bit of offense, which isn't a bad thing. So all in all, I think I'm not saying Toronto became a Stanley Cup contender overnight like that everyone should cower in fear, but they are, I think, a tougher team to play against because of these moves. So for that yeah. reason, I'd say Leafs. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know how to feel about the TJ Brody deal. Like I feel like it could, it could be like it could hit and. You know, it could either hit yeah. or miss very quick. Exactly. So it's the fifty-fifty deal, yeah. So that that I'm I'm a little bit skeptical of it, and especially since he's like a thirty-year-old guy, um, yeah. And um, at like four years is kind of a bit much for that, but um, still, it's it seems a little. I mean, but at, like you're saying, he is a good shutdown defenseman and can provide some um, offensive ability as well, but. It does also feel like they also got Jake Muzzin, you know, a couple of years ago. So, like, he, he kind of reminds me of that. So, so maybe they're trying to get more of those guys. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I could see it. I could see it not working out and not working out fast. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I I think Wayne. I feel like Wayne Simmons isn't as good as he used to be, but. Um, but like you're saying, like in a limited role, like on the fourth line or third line. He could be pretty decent, um, and mm-hmm. same with same with Jimmy VC as well. I I know he hasn't been projected as anything, but um, but yeah. So I mean, I, I think they did okay, um, but not great. Um, I think um, in terms of th- which team did the best free agency wise, I'm actually the funny thing is is I actually have the three worst teams in the league that did the best. Um, I liked the the Bobby Ryan move and Thomas Grice move for Detroit because um, they're just cheap options and they're not like so worried about um, competing right away because they're waiting for their guys to develop. But um, it could be a nice bounce back for both of those guys, even though Grice is still pretty good. Um, but I like that like they're giving him a chance because he may be something more than, than what he is right now. Um, Ottawa, I, I also like the, the Matt Murray move. I know that they paid him a little bit much, but 
I also like that move though because it's like yeah, we'll get to that needed... in a bit for sure. Yeah. You can bet on that. <laughs> yeah, they they did need a goalie. I mean, I know that there's consistency things, but at the same time, there's not a ton of pressure for him to to do well right away. Um, so and you know maybe um, and and it, exactly because this is a, such a young team that it, it kind of works that they're just giving a chance on him. Um, although I'm not sure about like letting go of Duclair, that makes no sense, and letting go of, of Bobby Ryan as well, especially since they're still under the um, the floor. So so they're gonna have to make some moves or something like that. Um, as for my actual team that had the best free agency signing so far, it's actually gonna be Buffalo, um, simply because they were able to get Taylor Hall. Um, there was a shock because we were all thinking that it was going to be um, either the Bruins or the Nashville. Those were the two big teams. Uh, Colorado apparently uh, gave up on it and, and they focused on other things. We'll talk about them in a bit. Um, but like just the fact that they were able to get Taylor Hall, who's like who, who's by far the best free agent forward on on the market right now uh, for one year. Um, is is amazing and like even next like sure they're they're not contending right now um, and I assume that Taylor Hall had thought about this as well but first off Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel are like automatically the best <laughs> duo right now whoever is on their right side is is a lucky guy but like it doesn't even really matter um, but then. So there's two things that can happen. Either the Sabres still sink because they don't have their defense and their goalie, um, and they trade Taylor Hall to a, a competitive team um, for, for a rental piece and so they can make a fortune out of that and he'll be the biggest target for, for a team like that. Or Taylor Hall likes Buffalo enough and re-signs for more. Uh, because they do have a lot of cap space that they can resign them. So this is like a trial period for them. Um, and I, I like that move. I'm, I'm kind of jealous of it uh, for clearly because I was just like the like, like the draft. I was just like, Bruins, why can't you sign Taylor Hall? Why can't you sign Taylor Hall? And then they go out and then um, Taylor Hall goes to a division rival. So um, mm-hmm. um, so simply because of the Taylor Hall move, I, I'm going to give buffalo the the prize um so you you said your three teams that was detroit it was buffalo and who else ottawa (laughs) ottawa okay well ottawa ottawa mostly just because i like the matt murray move but the other (laughs) two I, i i liked more out of their free agents okay we'll circle back to matt murray when we talk about the sends quickly on buffalo i think this will backfire okay just because it's Buffalo, for starters, um, but their free agency is a little fishy. Like, they gave Curtis Lazar a two-year extension on a one-way ticket. I can buy that. It's a cheap deal. Tage Thompson, three-year extension, and it's a $1.4 million cap hit. Okay, not too bad. Jurgensen's $2.2 million per season for three years. Like, his 30 points from 2014-15 are still his career high. He got 12 goals last year. That was the most he got in a season since that career year in 2014-15. Totally yeah. don't get that extension at all. 
Um, Cody Eakin on a good year can get you 35 to 40 points. But um, last year wasn't a good year. He had 15 points across 49 games with Vegas and Winnipeg. He gets a two-year deal with a cap hit of $2.25 million. You have Olsen and Reinhardt still to sign. You get Irwin and uh, Matteron and Brendan uh, Davidson uh, to league minimum deals to bolster depth on both sides of the back end, Irwin being a right-handed shot, Davidson being a left. I like that idea. I like bringing in Toby Reader for a cheap one-year deal. And then you get Montour, a one-year extension with a little under $4 million. Not bad for the short term, I guess. But for the long term, like, you got your future prospects like Dylan Cousins and Jack Quinn. If they sign Taylor Hall to a long-term deal, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure how that's going to work. Like, yeah, you bring in Eric Stahl to help out uh, your second-line center, and you're trying to form a very solid top six. But once he leaves... Like, do you have a solid number two second line center at that point? I I just think long term it's it's not going to work out. Okay. Like defense is still a question mark. Goaltending is still a yep. question mark. Relatively, their defense and goaltending hasn't changed. It's mostly been their forwards. So yeah, it might look good right now, but Taylor Hall being a draft lottery charm. I, <laughs> The only way I see this ending for Buffalo is another top ten pick. I'm sorry, I I just can't get behind it. So, so well it's first off, well so first off, I think you, I was gonna say that they do have Eric Stahl. Um, I think he is a good stopgap for like I I don't think necessarily Dylan Cousins is ready to to be the guy right away, but this is a good way like a good stopgap of like in case Dylan Cousins isn't ready. Um, they can have Eric Stahl be the center right now, the second line center right now, um, and then maybe move Dylan Cousins to the wing or something like that, or just put him on the third line uh, so that he can experience NHL a play or something like that. Um, yeah. And and I, I do hear your concerns, and yes, I, I agree that the defense and the goalie still needs uh, to be addressed. Um, but on the other hand, I think there is... Um, something like in the long term that like maybe they don't re-sign Taylor Hall but it, it, like I I, th- I could see it happening where Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel have so much chemistry together that you almost have to sign them long term and then um, and then you have like Cousins and Jack Quinn when they're ready um, on the second line um and then maybe you have like Sam Reinhardt on the first line or something like that, and Victor Olafson somewhere there. So that's a pretty good top top two if um, if all things work out with uh, Jack Quinn and and uh, Dylan Cousins. But um, but like I I think that's where they're going for is that like eventually Jack Quinn and Dylan Cousins will fill in those two spots. But like right now, you have Eric Stahl, and he's still a like a legitimately pretty good player. hundred um, percent. So, so I think I think he can help them out right now. Um, there is definitely question marks on their defense and their goaltending, but I think I I think their forward group is definitely pretty pretty strong. Um, it's just yeah, um, we, it's, we it's, said like, that it's about like Florida a good and start. Look what happened, right? Yeah, fair. I, I guess that what I'm saying is it's like a good start. It's not it's not like a completely finished product, but I think it is like 
something that that um, I could see working out in the long term. But I guess well, this is just for, one of those Buffalo's things. For Buffalo's sake, to I hope you're right. For Buffalo's yeah. sake, they deserve some good fortune. So I for do sure. hope it works for them. But until I see it, yeah. I'm, I'm just not buying it. They've given me too much false hope the past two years with strong starts, and then they just follow it up with flat finishes. So yeah, yeah. So, so I have a feeling that which team you're gonna you're gonna talk about here, but um, which team needs to do more in the Atlantic? Oh boy, which team needs to do more? Uh, eeny, meeny, miny, Boston. Yeah. I mean, they got Craig Smith. That's all right. But they didn't get Taylor Hall. They didn't get Tyler Toffoli. They lost on Tory Krug. They might be in on Oliver ekman Larson if that's still a thing. I don't know. But, but they signed Kevin Miller. So they, so that's they did bring back <laughs> Kevin Miller for one year. They got yep. the Miller back. But, um, yeah, other than that, if, if Boston wants to remain good, um, I think they need to do something else, um, whether it's their offense or defense, um, it's lacking something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I actually, um, I actually like the Craig Smith signing. Um, he's like, I was just seeing here that like, he had like 20 goals on a third line, which is pretty mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and he's also like pretty good defensively or a lot. Like he's like, a analytics um darling as they say so um so i do like that move however i mean i know that they were in on the taylor hall signing supposedly i think they were also in on tyler Toffoli. um so it's not like you kind of have to like blame the you can't really blame sweeney on that but because they did offer it's just you know Toffoli and hall didn't sign there but um, it just stings that they're both going to be in the division. Um, and I, I, you know, for, for Taylor Hall, like, I, I feel like because he kept on saying that he wants to go to a team that wins and wouldn't mind a short-term deal. So he was right on the one part about going to a short-term t- team. But if they're going to, um, but like, even still, like, you know, if you're if you want to win the championship, you go to Boston. You don't go to Buffalo. So, uh, so it's like, I'm sorry, any Sabres fans who's listening in right now. It's just I, mean, I would have I picked think, Tampa Bay I think, over yeah, Buffalo. I think like and Sa- I don't think Tampa would have been realistic at all. Right. Well, I, I'm about to talk about Tampa as well, but like the the fact like that like that would be the only way it would work is if Taylor Hall signs for a like a short term deal for us because our windows closing um yeah. and and all that stuff so so there's that but like <laughs> it's just like I thought you wanted to win Taylor Hall like what, what what's going on like I could understand it, it, it the potential to win like I could understand like, the winning yeah. mentality I could understand it if you went to Colorado I could understand it if you went to Nashville even yeah that would have been that yeah. would have been at least safe bets right? I totally I totally get that Buffalo? <laughs> what? I, I know I just complimented Buffalo, but Buffalo, Buffalo. Um, so, so I don't, I don't get it from that perspective. But still, Boston needs like, to do even more. Sabres fans that I know yeah. in Ottawa were were more surprised than happy. Yeah, yeah. They so, didn't expect it anyways, at all. Anyways, uh, Boston needs to do more because now, um, I think because of what Tampa was able to do and get all these like depth forwards guys, I think that was the big difference. Between Tampa and Boston, 
So they do need to work on getting their forwards. I think there are rumors that Dabrowski is going to be traded soon. So um, I guess that kind of uh, helps with the fact that maybe uh, maybe they get Dadnov. Perhaps that could be. So I I was about to say, I think the the only two that I think that the Bruins should try to get is uh, either Hoffman or Dadanoff. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't mind. which is interesting because it's like they're also both into the division. Um, I also wouldn't mind uh, Anthony Duclair. Um, yeah, that would be a that would be a nice like get. But like um, to Foley, I was also mad about too. But at the same time, I see that he got four years, four point two five million. I'm just like, I don't know if I love that so much. Um, so so maybe it's just as well, but. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, Florida, um, will probably lose both Hoffman and Dadanoff because I think their cap situation's still pretty bad. So, um, yeah. so they, 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 uh, they do have to do more. They, although they did get, uh, Patrick Hornquist, that should help, but I think that they do need to do more if they want to go to the next level. And then, um, I think we talked about this last week, but Tampa, they have some, uh, interesting decisions to make in the future because they have Sergachev, Sorelli, and uh, Chernak all as RFAs, um, and uh, I don't think t- and they only have two million of, in cap space. So, uh, so yeah, they're they're gonna have to make a move. Um, just the question is of what they're gonna do, um, and then also we- oh. I forgot we, to mention. We, uh, we we did talk about the Tyler Johnson stuff. They did waive him. Yeah. He cleared waivers, so, so he's still on the books. And on top of that, the player now has the choice um, to accept the trade or not. So if he doesn't like the trade, he can reject yeah. it. Um, and then going, I almost forgot. <laughs> like Boston also lost Tory Krug. Um, so mm-hmm. so that's the other thing where like we do have some depth. Like we are even before this Krug stuff, we were gonna have to address the winging, the wing death situation already, but like now you also lose Tory Krug. They do resign Kevin Miller. I'm not sure if they're gonna resign uh, Chara. Um, so, so now they have to like. I mean, I think Charlie McAvoy can fill the role that Tory Krug is doing, but. Um, like just on the power play, so maybe they're gonna give him the shot, um, and then maybe they really think a deal with Arizona and Ekman Larson yeah, is maybe, possible. Maybe they still, yeah, maybe Ekman Larson is still available. Although I would hate that, um, but I, I do think that they do need to get at least one left-handed defenseman in case Charlie McAvoy isn't the guy. Um, I do love Charlie McAvoy, but I I agree that I think they do need. Um, at least another defenseman. So it's not like um, that's the reason why we we went out in the playoffs because we didn't uh, address the Krug situation. So um, I think there there needs to be something um, to make it. But I th- there's not too many left-handed defensemen out there. Um, so so that's that's the interesting aspect of it. Oh yeah. Um, in case um. Yeah, um, so I think the rest of the stuff is in case we didn't cover it. Um, 
So Toffoli goes to Montreal for, for we already talked about Taylor Hall. Uh, uh, Toffoli goes to Montreal four years um, at $4.25 million. I do like it, and he is a goal scorer, um, but at the same time, it's like he is a little bit inconsistent. Um, and they also got Josh Anderson as well, $5.5 million for seven years. Um, and I, I don't like that for them. Um, and it's yeah, like, just like the overpay, like Montreal yeah. gave up a third on top of that to get Josh Anderson. Yeah, yeah for sure. And then sign him. Um, and also, like, uh, Brendan Gallagher is going to be a UFA next year. And yep. then the next thing they do is they, they get, like, two right wingers. Um, they also have Cole Caulfield in the system as well. So it's like, what's going on? They trade, and, and I like Max Domi. I know he um, may have, uh, he could have been a little bit better, but, like. I don't think he got along well with Claude Julien because yeah. he was asked about the relationship with him and he didn't want to mention it after the trade. So oh, interesting. I, I think that maybe that but, rift kind of caused that point in no But return. even still, like Josh Anderson, yeah, he had a good year the year before that, but like mm-hmm. he only had like four points this year. I mean, I think most of it was because he, he, he well because he was riddled with injury yeah. too. He did, which is fair. Even play thirty games, but even still, like you're gonna re-sign him for seven years, a guy who just <laughs> is recovering from injury. Yep. <laughs> so no, <laughs> even if he was healthy, it still would have been a risk to sign yep. him to that. Like I honestly don't know how the Habs are gonna make this offense work. Yep. Like you also pay Jeff Petrie, sign him to a four-year extension on top of that, but you look at um, Josh Anderson's first meaningful NHL year, 2016-17. 17 goals, 29 points, 119 shots, 78 games. Yeah. Next year, nine, 19 goals, 30 points, 188 shots hitting the net. His big year, 2018-19, when he got 27 goals, 47 points, 230 shots. And even though he had 63 shots in 26 games last year, only a goal and three assists. So yeah. four points in 26 games isn't great. And you're giving him a seven-year deal with a cap around the same as Max Domi. Yep. Yeah. Like, on a, Why? Yeah. Like even the Toffoli, Toffoli's been inconsistent, even though he's got a handful of 200-shot seasons, a 30-goal season, yeah. like 40 to 50 points on three occasions. I still don't even know if, if they can get a legit offense out of that. And if you put Toffoli on the second line, you're paying Jonathan Drew and all that money to be a third-line left winger. Yeah. Like, again, I don't get how Montreal is going to generate offense with this Top six, top nine, whatever they got going on. I just don't get it. Yeah, and they still don't really have a center. I do like Philip yeah, Deneau, but uh, I do like Philip Deneau, and Nick Suzuki is also pretty good. But, um, but yeah, they, they do need to address that too. So it's, it's I don't know, it's a weird situation there. Um, and then, uh, let's see here, Wayne Simmons and TJ Brody, we just talked about Bob Bobby Ryan and Grice, I also like. Um Wenberg going to Florida, uh, 2.25 million and one year. I would imagine this is like their quote unquote Trocheck re- replacement. Um, it could be, it could be a decent deal. I do like that. It's a one year deal just to see what he has left. Um, I remember there was like, he had one good year and then he kind of dropped off, but, um, maybe he can bring it back in a change of scenery. So it could be a, a worthy thing. We'll see. Um, Bruins and Sens, um, so Craig Smith, Stutzel and Sanderson, and letting go of Duclair, 
Um, and then also Matt Murray. So uh, I think you're going to talk, you wanted to talk about Matt Murray and maybe Duclair. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about both. I'll start with Duclair. Um, interesting thing. He decided to represent himself. He didn't go with an agent. He decided to represent himself uh, in free agency. And the Sens said they gave him what they thought was a reasonable offer. Uh, don't know what that reasonable offer was. Um, but um, Declare decided to test the free agent waters, which he has every right to do. I think he has earned the right to do so when you get like 20 plus goals, 40 points on a team like Ottawa. Um, you deserve to kind of like explore your options a little bit. Um, it's still a bit suspect that after buying out Bobby Ryan, after not bringing back Greg Anderson, after letting Borbieski yep. test open waters, why you couldn't find the money to pay Anthony Duclair, unless there's other reasons that maybe Duclair wasn't, doesn't want to stay here, perhaps. Yep. Um, maybe... Maybe it could be as simple as the fact that Duclair wants the money and a long-term deal. Like, at the end of the day, Ottawa's the young team now, yes. But Drake Batherson's DLC expires after this coming season. Same with Brady Kachuk. Then at some point, Norris and Formanton, their ELCs expire. Uh, Marcus Hogberg entering the final year of his of his um, two-year deal that he signed, right? Yes. So at more and more of these guys, young guys like Eric Brandstrom and then eventually like Tim Stutzel and Jake Sanderson, when their ELCs expire, the last thing Ottawa needs is an expensive contract that may or may not be living up to the hype, getting in the way of signing the future players that they think are going to help this team win a cup someday. So maybe... Maybe it was the term and the dollars that kind of scared away Ottawa, but for the immediate future, they could afford Anthony Duclair. They could pay him $7 million if they wanted to for this year because they have the money. But yeah. for whatever reason, they couldn't uh, They couldn't get a deal done. There's also Ron Hainsey. That's a free agent. I really hope he comes back. I'll explain why in a, in a little bit. Um but uh, let's let's talk about uh, Matt Murray first. Uh, Matt Murray is entering a situation where the Penguins don't need him. The Sens need a goalie. Apparently, this has been something that was in the works since the Penguins got eliminated by Montreal. Uh, Dorian wanted Matt Murray, and he got him. And uh, he signs for a four-year deal with a cap hit of $6.25 million. His first two years were very, very good. He got a 30-win season in his official rookie season. In his unofficial rookie season, he won a cup. And then the next year, he won again with the Penguins. And he was a big contributor in the very second that he won it. Like, all the way through 2016, uh, when Fleury started to struggle in the conference finals, he came in, saved the day, and went 7-3 and three the rest of the way. The Penguins won the cup. He had a couple of average seasons after that. In 2018-19, we started to see him return to form. This year, he lost his starting job to Tristan Jerry. The Penguins signed Jerry and make it pretty clear in the eyes of many that Matt Murray's no longer their guy and he's going to find a new home. Ottawa didn't give up a lot to get Matt Murray. They gave up a second-round pick that turned into a young goalie prospect. And Jonathan Gruden, who is a good prospect, but when you look at all the other prospects that they have, yep. they could probably part ways with him so 
I don't mind the return for Matt Murray. Um, they didn't give up a whole heck of a lot to get him. I think the term was just right. If they signed for six or seven years, I probably wouldn't have liked it as much. But I think four years is enough time to get the young goalies developed, and maybe one of them is there to take the reins once that contract's up. So I like that a lot. Um, and, and he's played in the playoffs before. They need someone with playoff experience. He's won two Stanley Cups, so like, hey, they got a winner, right? Right. Uh, just competes every night if he has a bad game or there's a bad goal. Typically in his first two years, he bounced back. I think if he works on his glove hand and he gets back to the Matt Murray that he was a few years ago, this contract could turn out to be really, really good. But this guy consistently gets 20 to 30 victories a season on a good team. I don't know how he's going to do on a not-so-good team, but I guess we'll find out in due time. The, the thing to know about Matt Murray is, yeah, he was in the net for a lot of the Penguins' recent playoff defeats, like in round two against Washington, round one sweep against the Islanders. Um, this year with the play-in series against Montreal where they, they lost three of four. It wasn't all Matt Murray's fault. Like in that play-in series, yeah. he has a 14 save percentage. The Penguins couldn't score enough. In the Islanders series, the Penguins barely scored a goal per game. Yeah. So, like, how much does Matt Murray have to do? Like, it's not all his fault. Yeah. So, I don't think, I don't think it's as bad as we make it out to be. I think Matt Murray can be a good goalie for this team. Um, the Ottawa Senators also made a couple of other moves. They traded for. This defenseman out of Florida named Josh Brown. All it cost was a fourth that turned into Michael Benning. Um, Josh Brown signs a two-year deal with Ottawa with a cap at a $1.2 million per year. They get Erica Branson from Anaheim to his hometown in exchange for a fifth. Um, he's on an expiring contract, one year left at $4 million. I like a Branson, good community guy. I really, really hope... This isn't the guy that leads the defense, though. They need they need another veteran presence to do that. Um, but I think he can help them. Maybe if he has a good year, they trade him for some futures at the deadline. So um, I can see that. But it kind of disappoints me that poor Vieski gets that same kind of money over over two years in Nashville, and we, we get Branson on that trade. Yep. Uh, and then uh, they get Austin Watson in exchange for a fourth from Nashville. Uh, three years with a cap at a 1.5 million, 14 goals a few seasons ago. I like that for their bottom six. So Matt uh, Austin Watson should be a good fit there. So Ottawa's still got a lot of work to do to reach the cap floor, but um, they've gotten a couple of steps closer than uh, they were at a week ago. So yeah, they're they're on the up and up, but they still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I I mean I think the the Senators are definitely a few years away, obviously. Um, but I do like what they were doing with Matt Murray. Um, I, 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 I still believe in him. I still think that he's going to be a good good guy. I mean, I, I guess there is some concern because, like, it seems like he does better when he there isn't so much pressure on him. So that you got that in Ottawa uh, right now. So that can help him. But, like, you also might need to get a backup goalie for him, too. Um, and yeah, I don't understand the Duclair, uh, letting go of Duclair. Um, I know that he kind of struggled towards the end of the year, but like there, there was definitely potential there. It's like, it felt like we found another like legitimate player. So, um, and especially when the, the senators aren't like, aren't close to reaching the ceiling just yet, 
they are the the floor sorry um like i don't understand the whole like letting go of him but um maybe they have other plans i don't know um so maybe i think i think they still have to some work to do but i do like that matt murray uh deal that they got so anyways um so we're actually an hour in and we have three more divisions to go so we're gonna have to make this very quick quick for the the rest of these um Let's let's go into the Metro here. Uh, so which teams had the best draft? Interesting in draft? question. Um, I mean, Alexis Lafreniere to the Rangers automatically makes the Rangers a pretty good favorite, and they also got Braden Schneider. So yep. the, the Rangers the Rangers look pretty good. I like what they did. Um, they dealt Leah Anderson to the Kings, and they used that draft pick to select Will Cole from the OHL's Windsor Spitfires. A gifted shooter that had 26 goals as a rookie, 22 goals last year, 41 and 42 points respectively in those two years. Uh, they get Evan Veerling in round five, who is a solid two-way forward with a high motor, um, gets traded from Flint to Barry and is a point-per-game player for a lesser Colts team. So um, I, I like uh, the overall value that they got there. Um, I am, of course, you know, you have the Devils, Getting Alex Holtz, one of the best goal scorers in the draft, they need a guy that can score goals because that's how you win games more yep. often than not. They need goal scorers. And then they get Dawson Mercer, who can just trick you in so many ways. And I think when you have a guy like Alexander Holtz, who has that patented release, that deadly shot that everyone looks for, everyone's just like, oh, you got to be careful about that shot, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a deceptive guy like Dawson Mercer, that kind of adds more of a variety to your offense, and your offense becomes a little less predictable. Yep. And I think in a talented division like the Metro, that can be huge to have a deceptive guy like Dawson Mercer and a guy who, with the lethal releases Alex Holtz possesses, um, they can afford to reach with uh, the Shakir Makama Doolin. Uh, yeah. The Russian defenseman, they can afford to reach on a guy like that when they get those two players. Um, and then they get Nico Dodds in round three, who I think has NHL potential. If Blackwood doesn't pan out as the goalie of the future, I think Nico Dodds uh, could be that guy. They also get Euro Pitlick from the Sioux Greyhounds in round four. Yep. I, I think that's a smart pickup in that uh, position. I don't think they won the most. I think... Um, I like Carolina, what they did. Seth Jarvis, one of the best attackers in the draft with the defender on his back. Again, like Dawson Mercer, very deceptive. He can use gear changes to mess you up. He can use stop and starts. Um, Just a gifted passer and a shooter. And a guy that really craves the puck on his stick. Uh, This past year, he had 46 goals and 98 points. Tremendous second half for Portland of the the WHL. and that was just his second year, like I said. And um, then you have Noel Gundler, who, again, one of those guys I wanted to shy away from at first, but with a lot of good young forwards in their system as well as their roster, I think they can afford to gamble on a guy like Noel Gundler, so I don't mind that pick so much. Uh, Vasily Ponomarev, he goes in round two to Carolina, 18 goals and 31 helpers in 57 games as a rookie with Shawinigan last year. His first four games this year, he has two goals and one assist. One of those guys that in 50-50 puck battles, tough to go up against. A good two-way center, someone that applies a lot of back pressure, just a relentless skater. 
And with a guy like Justin Williams retiring maybe in a couple of years, Vasily could fit that role. And then you get in the later rounds, guys like Zion Nybeck, guys like Alexander Passion with NHL upside. Um, so, yeah, all around, I think the Hurricanes did the best. But um, definitely the Rangers and the Devils gained a lot, too. Yeah, um, I, was, I was actually going to say the Devils, but um, the... I can't believe that they, the the Hurricanes got Passion and Sealy um, in the seventh round because I think those guys were projected to go in the first three rounds. Um, so it's just incredible. That they, they were, they were higher-ranked skaters than the guy yep. Columbus took in the first round yep. in, in terms of European talent. Yep. Um, I was I was going to say I also like the Rangers pick. Of course, you can't go wrong with Alexis Fournier. Um, although I saw someone in my draft – said that uh, they think that Lafreniere is going to be the next Alexander Daig, which I don't understand. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I also like the Will Kalil, uh pick as well. And then, yeah, my pick was, you already mentioned this, but New Jersey. Um, I liked, uh, I like Alexander Holes and Dawson Mercer. And I, I, I particularly like the fact that they're both wingers. Um, I mean, I guess they could be centers, but I think they fit the team perfectly considering that they have uh hughes and he sure um up top on your first two lines so you automatically like whoever holes and mercer pairs up with in the future um they're they're, they're kind of set for the, for that and now they just need to figure out the left hand side of things um so um maybe that's gusev maybe that's someone else i don't know um andreas Janssen. um so I like that. I'm not like uh, I never heard about Mukama um, Doolin, um, and you, that was definitely a reach. And I guess it's something that they can afford to do. Uh, but like all these like scouts, and like all these people that when I did more research on, like they just mentioned that like they project him to be a th- like at his very best, he would be a third pairing defenseman. Um, so, so I don't understand why you would do that at the in the first round. Um, I understand why, like you know, you have three. Like picks. you could have gotten someone like Tyson Forster who went yeah. to the Flyers, a guy that or even can like score goals and yeah. also is a power play threat. You could have That's taken him in the first too. round. He was available. At that yeah, point. Uh, Philly, by the way, also did pretty well too with with Forster and uh, Andre. But uh, yeah, no, I I don't understand that. Or they could get like Connor Zary. Um, mm-hmm. Brendan Breeson or Maverick Bork. Um, <laughs> those guys are still out there. Hendrick Lapierre, you could take a chance on him. See, so, Lapierre yeah. would have been a reach too because injury history. No, um, I, I, I think, understand that. I think Washington really gambled with that, so I can understand why Jersey didn't take him. No, no, I understand that. But, like, if you, if you take – but, like, if you're going to reach, at least take, like, someone who has – like a high <laughs> upside because like there is yeah. a chance that Hendrik Lapierre could be pretty good in the NHL whereas like Mugama Doolin may not be so that that's where I, I don't really understand it but I will I mean I'm gonna say the Devils anyways are had the best draft but we have to get going anyways um yeah which team has had the best free agent signing so far oof best free agent signing um hmm See, see, this is kind of tough because I think a lot of the Metro teams are, like, kind of, like, neck and neck. Like, yeah. not too many of them, like, really hit the jackpot. I mean, 
I think a lot of them are just getting like depth moves. I think so. quietly, if you're if you're talking about like best free agency signings, I think maybe Henrik Lundqvist to the Capitals, and yeah, I know a it's one. it's a cheap one, but if you're if you're trying to get a a veteran goalie to mentor your young kid, Ilya Samsonov, who you expect to be the goalie of the future, and you're outpriced, Braden Holpe's gone elsewhere. Henrik Lundqvist, one of the best European goalies to ever play the game, right up there and wins, hasn't won a Stanley Cup, but is hungry to win a title and still has a lot to give. Getting him on a $1.5 million deal for one year to yeah. like mentor your young franchise goaltender i think that could be a contract that pays off dividends for washington so for that i'm going to say the capitals and henrik lundquist yeah that's a good choice i i think i heard that lundquist said that he plans he like he he doesn't want to be a mentor he wants to actually be the starter so that could get kind of interesting it could be just like mm-hmm. a competitive little thing which which could be good if like if lundquist can get back to the way that he was in his prime then yeah, that that also is a, a steal for them too. So I feel like possible. that's a bit of tough love for Samsonov too, because yeah. like the last thing you want to do is just gift this kid the oh, starting yeah, yeah. job and just learn from King Henrik behind the scenes. Right. Like I think this is the competition that he needs to really get to that next yeah, level. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so yeah, Washington's a good one. Although I didn't have them as the best free agent signing, I was going to say. Um, so here's the thing is I kind of combined the trades that these teams made as well as the free agent signings as well. So um, I actually like the Max Domi to Columbus. Um, I think that he like he, he was pretty good on a, a bit pretty bad Montreal team. I think like he could bounce back and he has potential. Yeah, like there. he had the quietest 70 point season I've yeah. ever seen. Like he had 203 uh-huh. shots, 28 goals, 44 assists, 72 points. That was a year ago. Yep. So, so I think there is potential for that, and, and maybe I mean he's probably not going to be like Panarin in Columbus, but um, I I could see it working out for them for sure. Um, and then also I like the Miko Koivu, who's probably one of the most underrated centers in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I also like that move um, as well. Um, and then also Pittsburgh, just for getting someone to take on Jack Johnson. And so, and it's the Rangers at that, so it's someone in the division. So <laughs> I, I, I think they, they deserve some credit for at least getting someone to take, take him off their hands. Um, so that, that's kudos there. Um, okay, which team needs to do more? Oh, boy. Um, I expect the Islanders to do more. Um, they re-signed Sebastian Ajo. They got Austin Zarnik on a two-year deal with a two-way perk so they can send him down. Of course, you have Elias Sorokin coming in. Then you deal Devon Taves, who, is, yep. uh, who needs a new contract for next year. And the reason I expect them to do more is because Ryan Pulak and Matt Barzell yep. need new contracts. They are RFAs right now. And with that Devin Ta- with that Devin Taves trade, I think now Lou Lamorello knows what he's got to work with. Um, there are still guys like Matt Martin, Tom Kunackle that are still uh, UFAs as well. Um, so now that I think that part of the equation has been solved – 
I think you're going to see an extension for both of those guys. So I expect that within the next few weeks. That's my guess. Yeah, that that's a good one. I actually said the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, they yeah. they signed um, Eric. Good. Uh, I do like the Eric Gustafson. Uh, it's a one year deal, three million. So that's not too bad. Uh, they still have to sign uh, Philip E. Myers, um, but like that's pretty much the only RFA they have to deal with. So they should they should be able to do it, but um, they have to figure out what they're doing with Ghost Bear because uh, it yeah. seems like they're um, they're just in a free fall, and I think AV doesn't like him as much. Um, so I think there is something there where he needs to. Um, they just need to trade him, so that, that's my pick there. Um, as for, in case we didn't cover it, um, Lafreniere to the Rangers, um, he should be pretty good. Um, yeah, also yeah. signed his ELC, so he's on the books as well. Yeah, that too. Um, what is Columbus doing uh, during the draft? Uh, they they signed, uh, or they drafted this guy named Shinnikov. Um, yeah, Igor Shinnikov, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was actually funny because watching, watching the draft live, like, no one knew who this guy was. So, yeah. Like <laughs> I mentioned, Zia Nybeck, 29th ranked yeah, European a, skater, Alex Passion, 22nd. Both of those, yeah. both of those guys yeah. weren't even third round picks. And this guy who was ranked 30th went in the first round to Columbus. Yeah. I mean, like, be- that's how big of a reach it was. To be fair, he has, like this year, the KHL has started, and he has eight points in 14 games, so that's pretty good. But at the same time, he's a 19-year-old, so he's an overager. Um, and I guess there's just something that these guys missed and, or something like that. So, um, I, I Yeah, like even if it's something that you missed, yeah, like... I know, it's he, like the... Why, why couldn't you have waited until later to get him? No, like, I know, I know. I don't think it was on too many people's radars from what we're hearing. Right, and it it's it's kind of like... Um, it makes me feel better that the Bruins... Because the Bruins reached for all their guys. It makes me feel better that Columbus had the biggest reach of all time. Um, even, <laughs> even like a big... Like you can make a case that Jack Quinn... Like I could see it. I could see Jack Quinn. It, it is a reach, but I could see it. Yeah, like he got at least fifty goals. Yes, yeah. Mason Larai is a reach, but I can see it. I don't understand Shinnikov because yeah, no one this, had him on this. This was the biggest reach of the entire draft, not yeah. just round one, the entire draft. Yeah, maybe in like the last like ten years. Ten years, maybe. Yeah, maybe ever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and there, there was Scott Glennie that uh, went to Dallas a uh, yeah. couple of drafts ago, and he was a top ten pick. Mark so. Jankowski from Calgary, I remember that one. Too. Yeah, true, he was another one. Anyways, um, Max Domi to Blue Jackets, we already covered that. Jack Johnson to the Rangers, we already covered that. Justin yep. Schultz is going to Washington, uh, four million for two years. Uh, that's not too bad. Um, for Washington, and it's another yeah, that's, like that's a yeah. good short-term deal. They also yeah. uh, re-signed Brendan Dillon, close to four million yeah, per year over one. four years. So they they've got a pretty decent defense core lined yeah. up. Um, Lundquist to Washington, we just talked about Keith Kincaid to the Rangers. Um, that could be an interesting move. It's kind of like there's the goalie carousel going on um, so from New Jersey to the. Rangers to Washington. With all due respect to Keith Kincaid, I don't think he's threatening Georgiev's job anytime no, I don't, soon. I don't think so, but I I think it like when you have two goalies like that and Georgiev and Shesterkin, I think 
you do need at least one like veteran goalie there. So keep yeah, backup plan kind of, in case yeah, they need someone. Yeah, in case sure. of emergency. So I do like that one. Yeah. Uh, Crawford is going to New Jersey, um, and I guess Corey Schneider is on the way out. Um, he got yeah, he up, got so. he got bought out, so he's a free agent. Yeah, so that's another one. Um, but three point nine million for two years. Um, I I like that one. Um, I know Blackwood kind of he did well. Uh, towards the end of the of the season, but I think it was pretty clear that he can't take the full workload. Um, and Crawford's uh, not bad, actually. He just happens to be on a bad team. So um, it could, the same thing could still happen, but I would imagine it's going to be like a 1A, 1B situation. Yeah, like the, the thing with Corey Crawford is that like he's going from a Chicago defense where he faced a lot of high danger chances against Edmonton in the play-in yep. and against Vegas. He still put up fantastic numbers in the playoffs, like yep. given those circumstances. New Jersey's defense not much better than Chicago, so yep. probably not much is going to change there. But you get a, a mentor for Blackwood, for Nico Dawes, I think that could definitely benefit I just really hope he stays healthy. Yep. Um, e- even if Crawford's not healthy, it's not really going to like eat away at their salary cap because yep. uh, of the term mostly. But um, I think in order for this deal to be really effective, um, Crawford's got to stay healthy. And that's the one thing that's tough to predict. But the fact that he had that big playoff run, um, he's back and he can he can still play. He's got a lot left in the tank. Yep. Um, Andreas Janssen's going to New Jersey uh, and – all that New Jersey gave up was Joey Anderson, who's a prospect yeah. for Toronto. I like yeah, this. really love really yeah. love that deal for New Jersey. They I need like a, yeah. a guy that has top six upside to help out on the wings, yeah, and uh, should, he definitely provides that. If it wasn't for the salary cap, I don't think he gets traded. But yeah, of course. Such is the name of the game. This is one of those things where I like it for both uh, both teams. Like they get like New Jersey gets a forward to help them out. Uh, he mm-hmm. could be a top six guy. Um, and then Joey Anderson um, is a decent prospect for Toronto in the future, and they, they can just use interchangeably and, and see what he has. So there's less pressure for him to do well. Um, so that could be interesting as well. Um, all right. Which team had the best draft in the Central? Um, hmm. um, I like what Dallas did. Maverick Bork at 30th overall, solid bargain for them. Uh, one of the top rookies in his draft class, 2018-19. He had uh, 25 goals, 29 assists for 54 points, 154 shots. Year two, he gets 202 shots, 29 goals, 42 assists, 71 points. Um, what stuck out to me was his reliance on power play numbers as a rookie. Ten of his 25 goals came with the extra man. Year two, only four of his 29 goals on the power play. Yeah. And uh, this year, to start uh, his uh, QMJHL season, in six games, he has three goals, three assists, and 20 shots. So already looking to better those numbers last year. Antonio Stranges uh, could have a bigger season offensively for the London Knights this year, depending on how the roster shapes up. I like him as a fourth-round pick. Also digging the Evgeny Oksentiuk uh, selection oh, in round too. five. He had uh, 33 goals and 48 assists as an OHL rookie. Only played 58 games for the Flint Firebirds. Yep. Um, so getting 78 points in that span is very good. Um, after going on the run that they had, really need to swing and miss on the picks. Or, or sorry, you really need to swing and hit on the picks that uh, you have. And I think uh, Dallas definitely did that. 
even when Colorado's doing well in the standings, uh, they get Justin Barron at 25th overall. Love that for the Avs. Um, he had 41 points in 68 games in 2018-19, yeah, 13 cool. points in 23 games in the playoffs. Big reason why his stock fell, midseason injury, only played in just 34 games. But in those 34 games, he had 19 points uh, with the Halifax Mooseheads. And yeah. I think would have been drafted much higher if not for that. So getting him 25th overall is great. They also get Jean-Luc Foudy, Liam's brother, in round three. Yeah. Colby Ambrosio and Ryder Rolston, both USHL, USHL players, they went in rounds four and five. I think the biggest score for um, for a Central Division team was Minnesota. Uh, Marco Rossi at ninth overall. Probably they didn't expect him to be there, but he was just a guy that oozes skill, really competes, just the perfect guy for them. They get Pavel Novak in round five. I think that could be a good addition. Uh, Marek Kuz, uh, Kuznadinov was taken in the early stages of round two. Yep. Um, many picks later, Ryan O'Rourke, a good captain in the OHL with offensive upside, could really help their defense uh, later. And uh, Damon Hunt uh, could be a work in progress, but I think there's NHL potential there too. So I really like what Minnesota did. Yeah, I was actually going to say Minnesota as well. Getting Marco Rossi at nine, even if they didn't get Marat Kuzanadina for Ryan O'Rourke later on, like yeah, they, they still win. They still win. Like they still win this award. So that would be my pick. The other, I also had uh, Maverick Bork at thirty is also a steal. Um, and then uh, Colorado did well with Justin Barron. So I had that those three as well. Um, um, I would, but my choices, I just want to say as well, just honorable mention, I was actually skeptical of Chicago's picks, but after doing some research, I really like what I see out of, uh, Lucas Reichel. Um, yeah. he, uh, he actually had like, he, like, uh, Tim Stutzel, um, he played in the German league, but he had, uh, 24 points in 42 games. Uh, for the Berlin Polar Bears, um, and uh, that, that's pretty good. I think that's even better than, than Tim Stutzel, so I think that that's good. I also like the Drew Comezzo uh, tr uh, pick as well as um, White Kaiser. Um, he's w one of those high schoolers that, if the Bruins were going that route, maybe they should have gotten it with him, but um, he, he, he has some acclaim there as well, so I liked... I like those picks as well, but, um, but yeah, maybe I think I feel like Lucas Reichel could be a an interesting uh, uh, draft for them or draft pick for them. Um, yeah, I I also yeah. think in turn if you want to go for like teams that didn't have much substance in terms of picks but really yeah. hit, I mean Winnipeg with Cole Perfetti at ten. Yeah, like for sure that makes all the trials and tribulations worth it, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that Rossi and Cole Perfetti are going to be in the same division as well. Oh yeah, yeah, that's going to be fun to watch. And Minnesota and Winnipeg of I think a rivalry on the rise. So um, yeah, yeah, they, they they that that should be a pretty fun. Uh, to watch as well. They were 1-2 in uh, OHL scoring yeah, as yeah, well. They, they were always competing and, there. And so. Perfetti's got one heck of a shot yeah. as well. Just a hockey IQ off the charts. Yeah. It was like back in, uh, like last year when Hughes and uh, Kaka were are in the same division. Um, so, okay, which teams had the best free agent signing so far? Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> who are you going to say? 
Um, I would say Colorado. Uh-huh. Uh, people thought they were probably going big game hunting this offseason. They've done the opposite. They've focused on depth. Yep. Uh, they traded Zadorov, who had been a guy they were kicking down the RFA road a couple of years. They acquired Brandon Saad from Chicago. Really like that move. Could be a second or third line option. Imagine him on a line with like Kadri and Donskoy. Perhaps that'd be pretty good. Yep. Um, Devin Taves, 28 points in 68 games to the Islanders this year. Could be a solid option as a third-pairing defenseman on the left side. Only gave up two seconds to do that, which the way they've been drafting, two seconds, whatever. They they get a yep. depth defensive guy. Um, and then uh, they started to re-sign some of their depth players. Ryan Graves, three-year extension worth just over $3 million per year. Really elevated his game, so I like that. Uh, Val Nachuchkin gets a $2.5 million cap hit for uh, two years. Not bad. Andre Burakovsky breaks the bank on a two-year deal, pays him almost $5 million every season. Love that for him. Um, they still have room to grow. I really like their odds to remain contenders. Yep. Um, Nash- Nashville, uh, I mean, I, I like um, – their depth guys like Luke Coonan, they traded for him. Brad yeah. Richardson, they got uh, him for one million on a one-year deal. Nick Cousins on a cheap two-year deal. Of course, you have Askarov coming down the pipeline, so you know they could be covered in goal in a couple of years. Yep. Um, I like the Mark Borvietsky signing as well. Matt Benning adds depth on the right side. Um, if they're still hungry for offense, maybe Dadnov or Hoffman could join the party. So. Um, I think Nashville could be a quiet winner in free agency, but I think Colorado's really lowered the boom so far. I love what they've done. Yeah, Colorado was also my answer, and you you didn't even mention the fact that, like, yeah, they re-signed Graves and they get De- Devin Tays, um, but they also have, like, B- Bowen Byram in the system, too, uh, right. who's probably ready right now, so... Um, so they're they're kind of loaded on the defensive side. Almost like it's like I, I think it's like too much of a good thing because they also have Kale McCarr and Eric Johnson. So, but uh, so maybe they trade one of those guys. I mean, obviously not. They McCarr went from not Byron. enough in twenty seventeen yeah, to too, too much to in twenty twenty. How things have yeah. changed. Um, I I know I do like the Tory Krug trade, uh, assigning um, like six years. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, seven years for six point five million. Um, it was inevitable that he was going to be gone, and I kind of expected it. But like, um, I think this was their move to make to make. Like, I I know he's not Pedrangelo, um, and I know that they lost him, but I think it is a good replacement for him because he's going to be on their power play, and um, he's like a power play specialist, and he's he's underrated defensively too. So, um, I think. Um, I know Blues fans are probably sad that Pedrangelo's gone, but Tory Krug's going to be, they're going to love Tory Krug. Um, so um, I, I, I just, I, I would, I just wanted to honorably mention the Tory Krug signing there. Um, yeah. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it now that we're on it. Um, so in terms of well-rounded defense, like the Blues are right up there with the Avs. Yeah. Like, on one side, they have Falk, Pareko, and Bortuzzo. Those are the right-handed guys. You have Krug, Scandella, Gunnarsson, and Dunn left-handed. You also have Scott Pernovich, who is left-handed as well. Right. And the fact that you look at the Petrangelo cap hit and the Krug cap hit, it costs um, 
doing internal math, $2.3 million less per year to keep Krug. And they both signed for seven years. So, yeah. sure, their their defense looks well-rounded on both sides of the blue line, more well-rounded than it did uh, prior because Krug uh, plays on the opposite side of Petrangelo. And definitely, offensively, um, they should be able to get by. But a major reason why they were able to get by without back as the captain was due to the leadership role that Petrangelo provided. And I just wonder, where are they going to get that from now? Yeah. Jaden Schwartz? Uh, Brian O'Reilly, maybe? Tarasenko. Just the all-around play and the abilities to lead a club, I think Petrangelo is, is where um, is where St. Louis is going to hurt. And, yeah. like, you can, get, you can get a lot of depth scores like Sam and Ass, who had a who had a great AHL season, Kyle Clifford, who provides grit. But at the end of the day, um, Petrangelo and just just the fact that he's such a well-rounded defenseman, it's really tough to replace. And I think in some areas they're going to struggle. I really think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think well, Krug has been better than on defensively than, than Petrangelo um, or like that people give him credit for. And obviously Petrangelo is better all around than Krug is. But... On the other hand, I think there is like they could. It helps their power play a lot, and like you know, just imagining the power play with Ryan O'Reilly, Tarasenko, when he's healthy, Braden Shen, um, that that's gonna help them a lot. And um, so yeah, there's there's that um, aspect of it. But I do see what you're saying, just from the like the leadership standpoint, um, it may not be the same. Um, but yeah, anyways. Um, which team needs yeah, to... Yeah, and just yeah. saying just saying, the year after David Backus left, St. Louis missed the playoffs. True. So. True, but I think that had more to do with, like, the goaltending <laughs> than, than anything. Well, yeah, yeah. true. True. I, I, I just I just think... Uh, which, I mean, I, I guess it could happen again. I guess it could happen again, but um, I don't think the, yeah. the Blues are missing the playoffs. Um, like I don't, I don't think they they're the winners of free agency just because. Yeah, yeah. you got crew, but you lost Petrangelo. Yeah, that's so. that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, but um, I I still want to acknowledge that they got Krug and and they yeah. got like a no a for top sure they they at yeah. least they at least make up for what they lost in Petrangelo. They're doing better than the Bruins are doing. Um, yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. In I, I think we can price. agree on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, which team needs to do more? Uh, which team needs to change Chicago? Get Stan Bowman out yep. there, please. Um, Oli Mata shipped to the Kings for basically an ECHL scare. They just wanted to get rid of his cap. Yep. Uh, Brandon Sod, who was a favorite of Kane and Taves, traded out of the Windy City. They didn't like that. Um, you give Subban a two-year extension, Malcolm Subban, and you don't sign Corey Crawford. Kane and Taves don't like that either. Mm-hmm. Uh um, I know Sidorov makes them a bit tougher to beat on the defensive side of things. And yeah, they got Yanmark. Yeah, they got Peary to help out the bottom six forwards. And you get Lucas Walmart for a year. And yeah, you get Kubalik signed for two more years. But guess what? Now you got to pay Kubalik and Debrinket at the same time. Yeah. Because Debrinket's deal ends in two years. Kubalik's is for two years. And then you also have to sign Dylan Strom. And, yeah, they've got young defense like Adam Bjorkvist and Wyatt Kalanick and Ian Mitchell entering the picture. But just all around, I don't like who's calling the shots right now. And they yeah. need a change, plain and simple. Um, yeah. Stan Bowman's time's up. Get him out. Yeah, that's a good one, too. And you didn't even mention that they traded Crawford away. 
Uh, the saw trade was really weird too. It's like, like, <laughs> like I, th- I keep on seeing the meme. Oh yeah, everywhere. They, they didn't give yeah. up. They didn't get much for Leonard as well. I forgot about that. Yeah, that too. Um, and and they and then they yeah. So they trade uh, Leonard in the uh, trade deadline, um, and then they trade uh, because I guess they wanted to keep with Crawford or whatever, and then. <laughs> And then they trade Crawford, and then they and then they're saying that okay, we're gonna we're gonna have like a competition for Subban, Lincoln, or Adelia, and then you're like, and not only that, Crawford yeah. leaves for less money than what he was getting in Chicago. Like right. he took a pay cut to go to the Devils. Yeah, that's it. And then um, and then even worse, you're upsetting. Like there's now a report that both Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze are both upset at Bowman. Because of the Crawford, uh, because of the Crawford and Brandon Saad trade, and now they're like, "What are we doing here?" And it's like Nikita Zadorov is an NHL player, sure, but like, it's like he's not like an offensive guy. It's not who they need. Uh, so it's just it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, and yeah, it's just. They're, they're a mess now. Um, I just feel bad for Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taze um, because this is how they're going to end their career if they don't. Um, I guess they could request a trade. I wouldn't be surprised. But, um, but yeah, it's just Bowman's, like, ruining if it. If they do get – if this is the end for Kane and Taze, they need a new GM making that trade. Because, yep. like, they really need to get a big haul for those two. Yeah, and they I think they could. Um, but – uh, yeah, which I, I think both have a no move clause, so that that might be an issue though. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe if you anger Kane and Taze enough, they can be like, "All right, we'll we'll go somewhere else." Um, and then also yeah. of like, note, yeah, yeah. Also of note, uh, Winnipeg, uh, Stasny is back on um, on the team, which which should help Line A and Ellers. But they still need some defense. They haven't addressed that yet. Um, but at least they got a top line center uh, or a second line center, sorry, um, and that helps with their elite wingers that they have. Um, I'm still on the fence about trading Patrick Line. I don't think it makes sense unless you can get a fortune out of him. But I don't think any team's gonna do it. But they have to figure out a way to. Um, get a defenseman. You can't just rely on all these prospect defensemen to, to do the job. Um, yeah. They're just not ready yet. So for the time being, how their defense looks like is um, they kept Nate Bolio around. Um, Lucas Pisa is still here. Derek Forbert, yep. they got him to add depth on a deal. Uh, one year on uh, to help out with their bottom six forwards, Nate Thompson, I like that a lot. Yep. Uh, Mason Appleton, two-year extension for him. DeMello is the guy they really paid. They, he gets an AAV of $3 million over four years, um, per year over four years. Um, could either age very well like the TJ Brody trade or head south very fast. Yep. Um, Paul Stasny is on the expiring year of his contract, by the way, similar to how they got him in St. Louis. Um, but they need a depth down the middle. Brian Little's banged up, and they need help fast in that respect. So I can definitely understand um, why they made the trade for Paul Stasny. Yeah, I can and also, understand. And also, uh, Laurent Brassois stays for a year to remain Hellwick's backup. Yeah, no, I, I think Paul, I like the Paul Stasny move. I, I, I still so like you know they had a, two holes to fill: the center, the second line center, and then they also needed to address the defensive stuff. 
So they they filled the center stuff, but now they need to get a defenseman um, or a couple of defensemen. Yeah, and and they haven't done that yet. So, um, so yeah, we'll we'll have to figure that out. Um, I also think that Dallas probably needs to do more to um, maybe just get a score. They have Rube Hints and Gary Anoff to sign still, and they have six million in cap space to do that. I don't think that's going to be enough, but they also need to address like their um, their forward situation. So it's it's going to be tough for for them um, there. Um, okay, so in case we didn't cover it, stuff. Uh, Tory Krug, we just talked about the Blackhawks trade. We already talked about Minnesota trading Luke Kunin to Nashville for Nick Bonino and two draft picks. At first, I was I wasn't sure what Minnesota was doing because Luke Kunin has some potential. They just put him on the third line for some reason. Um, and Nick Bonino is like, you know, is a veteran presence for sure, and he is a center. But I don't like. I feel like they they would regret that in the long term. However, I found out that it was two draft picks, and one of those draft picks turns out to be Murat uh, Kuznadinov. So, um, so maybe it does work out for, for Minnesota, but um, I don't know. Uh, Winnipeg gets Paul Stasny, Blackhawks resign, Kubalik, we just talked about, uh, Burakovsky, Graves, and Nutushkin all resign, Devin Tays, uh, Kudovins ends up staying in Dallas, I mean, also Faxa. Um, so that one's an interesting one because there were reports that Kudobin was going to test free agency and then immediately he resigns in Dallas, um, 3.33 for three years. Um, and I, I, I now I wonder what they're going to do with Jake Ellinger because now they have Ben Bishop and, uh, Anton Kudobin for, uh, three years at the very least. And you also have this very good goaltender in Jake Ettinger in the AHL. Are you just going to let him develop in the AHL? And, like, I guess they can afford to do that, but, like, it seems kind of crazy to, to have those guys for three yeah, years I, when, I, when Jake Ettinger could be ready as soon as next year. Yeah, that's that's the thing with, with like, Jake Ettinger. And I, I think the key... The key for developing goalies is to like not rush them through. Yeah. I think they really want to learn from the Jack Hamblefield experiments. So I think True. giving him like Fair. even at like at least two years, if you trade Hugh Dobin like in the final year of his deal or whatever, yep. then you know at the very least like the cap hit's not as big and like in this tight market, I'm sure a lot of teams would be willing to take on Hugh Dobin's contract because yeah. um, there there is some good hockey still left in him. Uh, the facts of one. Uh, eh, I, it's all right, but I'm not really a fan of it. I don't think either way, even with these two mm-hmm. signings, that Dallas is an improved team. They still need to do a bit more. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Cam Talbot is going to Minnesota. Uh, $3.66 million for three years. It's not a bad pick. I feel like Minnesota is now like, embracing the uh, the rebuild so Cam Talbot can like keep them afloat and maybe not make them like the worst team ever. But still, like it, um, you know, there's less pressure there uh, for him. If, yeah, if I, I think can I think in the case of the Cantella thing, like Bill, the Bill Bill Guerin uh, front office uh, said they wanted an upgrading goaltending. Is Cantella? Yeah. Uh, how much of an upgrade is he over Devin Dubnik? That's, well, yeah. That, that's, they they dealt Dubnik just to sign just to sign Cam Talbot. So True. I'm thinking. 
maybe they think Capo Kakinen, who they gave a two-year extension to, maybe they think he's the goalie of the future and Talbot's just, you know, helping him along for like three years. And then yeah. after those three years, it's Kakinen's time, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, they also have Alex Stalock and Hunter Jones, too, yeah. Um, They also have Alex Stalock, who had a pretty decent year, too. Um, So so that could be something as well. But, yeah, I can can see maybe, like, Cam Talbot's a better improvement over Dubnik. I feel like the only (laughs) goalie that... um, isn't an improvement on is uh is martin jones and, and now they're on the same team so uh so I, I i feel like that makes sense but we'll we'll see so uh so now we're on to our last division here the pacific division uh which team so which team had the best draft for the pacific division uh, it's a tie between two california teams and sorry victor it's not the sharks um <laughs> I think with Anaheim, they need to hit with their first, and they did. Um, they, again, similar to Ottawa, similar to Buffalo, Rossi and Perfetti were still on the board. They went with neither. They didn't even go with Alex Holtz. They went with Jamie Drysdale. Yep. Um, you guys called it, by had... the way. Sorry? You, uh, you and uh, Victor both called Jamie Drysdale to Anaheim. Yeah, that was, probably, that was probably the pick that I think all of us really hit on. Yep. Um, and um, it was learned that Anaheim even had offers from other teams for six overall. Bob Murray didn't want any of that. He wanted Jamie Drysdale. He was their pick. Uh, 47 points in 49 OHL games last year. Gold medal recipient at the World Juniors with Team Canada. First team OHL All-Star in his draft year. Uh, in 2017-18, he was GTHL Player of the Year. Exceptional skater. Intelligent positioning. Um, is able to defend well. Um, very good in his own zone, thrives in the transition game, and um, like I said, just an all-around good defender, a slam-dunk pick for them. Um, I know they already have Cam Fowler and Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson, Brendan Gooley in the mix, but Anaheim's going to be a better defensive team in due time with Drysdale on there, and they have a lot of young forwards um, that are still developing, and I think that's part of the reason why with their goaltending set and their young forwards, uh, they were better set focus on defense. And um, that's why I think this is a good pickup. Uh, speaking of forwards, they did get another young forward in this draft uh, late in the first round, Jacob Perot. I think a solid get for them in 27th yeah, overall. He had uh, 30 goals and 55 points as an OHL rookie, along with 162 shots. Uh, and then uh, in year two, after getting 55 points in 63 games, he gets 70 points in 57 games, 39 goals, 31 assists, and he gets 207 shots in his draft campaign. Um, the bit of question marks around um, staying motivated in all situations, continuing to master the defensive side. Fortunately, his father is Yannick Perot, who you could be hard-pressed to win a face-off against any time of day. So. Yeah. I think that defensive side of the game is going to come around as well. Um, So I like that pick for the Ducks. They also took Sam Colangelo in round two. Interesting choice, but could have an NHL future there. The LA Kings obviously getting Quentin Byfields, um, massive addition for them. They get Helge Grants and Brock Faber, uh, guys that could really help their blue line in the second round. Uh, Alex, Alex LaFerrier has offensive upside too. And uh, I really like uh, the decision to select uh, Martin Kromiak. Yep. Uh, he was a mid-season addition to the OHL's Kingston Frontenacs. I think 
his performance in the second half of 2019-2020 was pretty good considering that Kingston was in a very tough division, usually getting beat up a lot of the times in that very tough division. And um, I'm interested to see what he can do in his first full campaign with the front next. So, uh, yeah, I think overall the Kings did pretty good. In terms of uh, hitting their picks when they had to, Calgary and Edmonton, I would like what they did as well. Yeah, um, I, I I like the Kings as well. Casper Simmental, you didn't, Tavel, you didn't even mention, but I like him as well. It's funny mm-hmm. that there's an Alex Lafreriere, who's very, he also... Yeah. Um, as well in this draft, so it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm sure in drafts people are going to mix that up all the time. Um, yeah, I was, I'm was. i actually going to go with the uh, Calgary Flames as my pick. I also liked Anaheim too, but um, I like the pick of uh, Connor Zary on the 24th. I feel like yeah. he's Especially like... Especially when they yeah. traded down twice to get that pick. That and was they were nice probably going to yeah. take him anyway at exactly. 19. Um, and yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And I was reading all these scouting reports. It's like, he's, he's kind of like a power forward, but like he shoots a lot and then he, he chases the puck as soon as it's shot or something like that. So like, he's one of those kind of players. He's just like hard to play against, uh, cause he's everywhere on the ice. Um, yeah. and then, uh, I like the Jan Kuznetsov and Jeremy Poirier, uh, trades, uh, uh picks as well. And then... Um, I just found out about this guy, but he has an awesome name, Jake Boltman. Um, <laughs> he, uh, uh, but then when I was looking into him, he uh, first off, there's this clip of him, like he was in practice wh- while he was being drafted. And so what happened is they announced it in the, in the arena, and then all his teammates like uh, crowded him, uh, celebrating him. So... Um, I, I like the Jeremy Poirier and the uh, Jan Kuznetsov tri- uh, picks as well. But um, So, yeah, that, that gets my vote here. Um, and then kudos for... I didn't realize this until it happened, but Quinton Byfield was the highest draft pick um, from a black um, athlete ever. Like, uh, no one has ever gotten higher than, than Quinton Byfield. So... Um, Good for him. Um, yeah, so it, it's 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 progress at least, um, just in growing the game to to all ethnicities. Um, so which uh, which has had the best free agency signing so far, Steve? Yeah. So this is um, this is a little bit interesting um, because um, they're they're. There have been a couple of teams that have been really active. Uh, definitely not Arizona, uh, for many reasons. Um, I think the most the most interesting for sure would be um, would be Calgary. And the reason why I would say Calgary is because um, they got Chris Tanev and Jacob Markstrom from uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Yep. Uh, Tanev gets four point five million per year for four years. Markstrom gets six million per year over six seasons. Uh, you get a guy that brings grit and shutdown defense. The other has emerged as a visitor caliber goalie when everything's clicking. He's healthy and just everything's going his way. Jacob Markstrom is is one of the best in the league, I think. Um, are they a better team, though? Because they lost TJ Brody to the Leafs. Travis Hamanick, who costs around 4 to $5 bucks per year, is still a free agent. Both those guys uh, could be gone. And they might look better between the pipes with Markstrom and Riddick, and they have Louis Domingue uh, joining the team as well. 
but their defense might have been weakened as a result of their best attempts to make these signings work. Yeah. And then if they keep Hamannick, then maybe one of their offensive pieces will have to be sacrificed. Um, so I'm I'm more concerned about that and how it affects the shape of their team um, than than anything else. So that's why I think Calgary's interesting because. I don't know if they're really a better team by getting Tanev and Markstrom because it might have cost them both Hamannick and um, Hamannick and Brody. Uh, in terms of teams, if, if you want to look at teams that really did the most with what they had, I would say Edmonton because you have Jesse Pugliarvi back from Finland on a two-year deal. He could do some serious damage. You have Mike Smith coming yeah. back. You add Alan Coyne and Seth Griffith. You bring back Tyler Ennis on a one-year deal. You have Kyle Turris entering the picture. All you're paying him is $3.3 million over two years to make it happen. And then Tyson Berry for one year at $3.75 million. So they did what Tampa did, and they went for depth. And I think that depth could make Edmonton a tougher team to beat uh, this coming season, at least on paper. So, um, yeah, I would, I would say the Oilers for that reason and, and maybe the Flames. Yeah, I was gonna say I like the um, I like the Edmonton um, Edmonton was actually gonna be my vote. I like the Tyson Berry move, especially since it's like one year for eight million. That's or one year. Uh, uh, sorry, not yeah for under four million. Like four million, yeah. it's a it's a short term signing. Like you can't go yeah. wrong, right? And especially like under this like cleft bomb news where he's gonna have surgery and we don't know like they're expecting him to be out for the year. Um, so maybe like this means like, like I like Clefbaum, but, um, maybe this means that Clefbaum will be out of a job, uh, next year even, um, if Tyson Berry does, does well enough. But like, this is a, I mean, I guess it's kind of like a fall from grace for Tyson Berry, but this could be a good, like prove it deal for him and, and see what he can do, um, in Edmonton, um. And, 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 and see what, yeah, because like with him and McDavid and Dreisaitl on the power play, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be nuts. Um, and I also like the pool party signing. It didn't really make sense that they were ever going to trade him, but I guess there's, there's something, but it looks like he's, he's pool party is doing pretty well in the, um, in the, the league or whatever, but we'll see if I can translate again. Um, now that he has some NHL experience. Um, I also like the Shattenkirk signing in the for Anaheim. It's just another move to, to make them there. Um, I guess the Ducks just love Americans because they have like John Gibson, Cam Fowler, and now Shattenkirk. And Ryan Miller, I guess, is also going to I think he's a free agent, but um, they just have a lot of Americans, basically. Um, but um, that that could be a, a nice deal for them. Um, in the yeah, future. I don't know really if Shattenkirk really makes him any better. I mean, he helps yeah. the offensive side of their blue line, but yeah. I don't think they're a drastically better team. Like for yeah. the most part, they've just added like cheap short term depth options. Yeah, but like that that's play that's in what, the AHL or the NHL, right? But that that's what he and, kinda, and that's that's what a team like Anaheim in their position is supposed to do. They're yeah. not expected to do much of anything. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that that's kind of what he's going to provide. It's it's not. Um, anything drastic or anything like that and I think I would imagine in the future he could provide some veteran presence to Jamie Drysdale and get him accustomed to the NHL and stuff like that so um, I think I think there is something there but I do like that signing just because there is less pressure for him to do anything um, 
Okay. Uh, which teams needs to do more? Uh, well, I don't know if they want to do more, but Arizona. I mean, at this yeah. rate, this team is going to regress so bad. Uh, they don't have Taylor Hall. Um, Kemper might be dangled. Their captain might be dangled. I, I just don't see the future for the Arizona Coyotes. So actually, I do see the future, and it doesn't look good. Um, yeah. I think they could be a bottom 10 team in the league. Um, and it's just unfortunate because they spent all those years uh, trying to build themselves back up to glory, and unfortunately, they're their own worst enemy again. So it uh, kind of sucks. So I don't know if they if they can do more, um, but um, it, it all depends on what ownership decides to do. Um, uh, I think San Jose's done enough. I don't. I don't know if they're a better team because of it. Yeah. Um, I would like to see. I, I would like to see Vancouver do more, though. I yeah. mean, they 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 added a fair bit, but they lost to Foley, they lost to Marstrom, they lost Tanov, they lost to Ming. Um, so I think, I think they might be a little bit of a lesser team, and I think getting like a scoring winger like Dadanov or Hoffman, or Maybe if they're in the mix for OEL, because I heard that's another team that could be in on him. Yeah. Uh, maybe they find a way to make that happen, but uh, it, it all depends on what their vision is. But um, yeah, other than that, I don't I don't really see um, too much of anything happening uh, on the West Coast. Well, uh, Vegas, uh, they did get Petrangelo for eight million, um, uh, eight million for eight more years. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical of that because they do have Shea Theodore on a good contract, but um, I guess you, you can't you can't afford to have more depth and all that stuff. So I get that, but um, but and then they trade Nate Schmidt, so that does help their cap situation. But they're still a little bit over uh, the cap currently, um, so that I think they have to make another move. Uh, they reported that Robin Leonard is injured. Um, and he's getting surgery, but he should be back by, um, by training camp. And, um, that might mean that Flurry uh, will have to stay just in case that Robin Leonard is not back by then. But even still, it's like, I feel like, um, it doesn't make sense to pay 7 million, um, for your backup, which is what they're paying Mark, Mark Andre Flurry. So, um, I, I imagine a Flurry, I know what, uh, McCrimmon said that they're gonna keep Flurry, but I I don't I don't buy it. I don't buy that for a single second. Yeah. So um, I think if if Flurry doesn't get dealt, probably someone like Alex Tuck who has yeah. offensive upside but injuries screwed him. Yeah. Um, and I I think kind of got off on the wrong foot last year, so I think Tuck could be trade late if Flurry is not. Yeah, I could see that, and maybe William Carlson or like Riley Smith. That's another one. Yeah, too. unfortunate for Carlson because, like, I really liked what he did that yeah. first year in Vegas. But I think recent success, uh, Riley Smith has had more of that than uh, Wild Bill yeah. has, and I think he could be expendable because of that. Well, I, I do like Riley Smith, but he's also, I guess, he's on a better contract than William Carlson is. So maybe more teams would be interested in that than than um, Carlson. Um, but yeah, so we'll see there. Um, Okay, so in case we didn't cover it, 
Petrangelo officially signs with Vegas, $8.8 million for seven years. Um, yeah, I so I, I think we're mixed reviews <laughs> here. I, I, I'm more hesitant on signing guys in their 30s. Um, it's a lot of money for a guy who's just turned 30. Um, I know he is really good and, and all that stuff, but I feel like Vegas is paying for past success um, as opposed to what they expect he will be. And um, I think Shea Theodore is like one of the best young defensemen in the league. Um, so it's like, I feel like this kind of hurts Shea Theodore in the long run, even still. So I I don't love it, but I, I, guess I know what you're going to say is the leadership and um, it is kind of similar to the patch Petrietti trade and the Mark Stone trade, but I don't know. I I don't. I feel like it, they could regret this in the middle of the contract. Maybe not the first year. Maybe not the second year even. But I think the third and on, they're gonna regret it. I think. I think. I think past year five is where you get concerned because yeah. also he's got a no move all the way through. Not That's a no true, trade. True. A no move. Yeah. That's worse than a no trade. Yeah. Um, as I'm sure the Panthers are finding it with Bobrovsky. Um, but at the same time, they're ready to win now. He's one of the best all-around defensemen you can find in this league. He provides leadership, which, you know, they have enough of, but you add him to that list of leadership. That's huge for them. I mean, yeah, you give up a guy like Nate Schmidt, but like in the grand scheme of things, I think, uh, Vegas wins on that front. Um, I, I think for everything that they want to do right now in the present day, he's the perfect fit. And uh, they're ready to win. And that's the only reason why they made this deal is because they're trying to take advantage of the window they have. And when you have that window, you take advantage of it every chance you get. Yeah. So I, for that for that sense, I like it. It could be a problem down the road. But for now, they, they don't care about it. They're ready to win now. Yeah, I, I, I guess you're right. Like, if they win a cup in the next couple of years, they, they're not going to regret it. But um, I feel like the, it's... I don't know. It's it's a weird signing. I don't know if I wouldn't necessarily love it, but anyways, that might just be me. <laughs> um, and uh, lastly, okay, uh, Schmidt's going to Vancouver. Vegas gets a 2022 third round pick back for them. Yeah, like I like yeah. that trade for the Canucks because they only gave up a third, right? Yeah, and it's like, not even cares, next year. The cap you, get a, you get a third round pick for a guy of Nate Schmidt's caliber. That's pretty impressive. And it's not even next year. It's like the year after that, too. Yeah, so it's like, exactly. It's even worse. Um, yeah, so like this is kind of like the deal where I feel like, like no one's going to do Vegas any favors after the expansion draft. Yep. Um, so... Um, this is the kind of move that they're doing, and it's it's even more impressive that you know Vancouver is in the division of Vegas, so um, it's also interesting there. Um, speaking of in the division, Markstrom's going to Calgary, um, six point uh, six years and six million uh, per year. Um, I like this deal. Um, yeah, I I think I'm I'm still not sure how consistent Markstrom can be, but. Um, I feel like he is better than the option that Calgary had with Cam Talbot um, and stuff like that. So I I feel like this will help them now and um, and now they can just focus on like the the, the ice that uh, the people that they have on the ice instead of 
um, what they have on the background. But I don't know. It's a possibility that this could this could not be good for them. Yeah, and you're paying a guy $6 million. I don't think you're going to use him in a 1A, 1B system. So right. that could mean the end of the road for David Riddick after this year. Yep. If he wants to be a starter or something bigger, he's not going to get it in Calgary, I don't think. So um, in that sense, um, um, it, it could cause – well, I don't think it will cause like a bit of a rift, but um, it's a shot to the gut for David Riddick because any chances of him being the number one goalie in Calgary for the foreseeable future are gone yep. with this signing. Um, but I think if Markstrom can stay healthy and continue to play at the level he was last year, I I think he's just laughing in the bank, and Calgary's going to be laughing with him because um, yep. I think they're a better they're a better team on paper with this signing with Jakob Markstrom than uh, with Cam Talbot because Cam Talbot had a good year, but I think out of the two, I think Jakob Markstrom could have uh, the better numbers long term. So yep, yeah, I, I like that for them. Yeah. Um... Holpe is going to Vancouver, $4.3 million for two years. I actually thought Holpe was going to get a lot more than this, but I guess it's because of the flat cap and stuff. Um, but I, I also like this move, too, because it's like, I'm not, like, I know Demko was unbelievable against Vegas, but I'm not fully convinced that he can be the full-time starter just yet. So this gives them a chance to, like, have someone else like Holpe so that you can have, like, a 1A, 1B situation or you have, you know, you, you continue to do what they did for uh, last year with um, Markstrom and, and Demko. So um, so that could also be an option, too. But, like, you can see what you have out of both Demko and DiPietro um, and, and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, there's that. Yeah, so the thing with the Holpe thing is when looking at the Holpe deal, the fact that he took a pay cut, I can understand why Vancouver did it because yeah. their plan is for one of Demko or DiPietro to be the star of the future. Yep. And probably as we saw with Markstrom, he wanted the term, he wasn't going to get it in Vancouver and he looked elsewhere. Yeah. If it was a two year deal, I think Markstrom stays in Vancouver. The fact that won't be only signs for two years basically gives Demko enough time to prove himself. Um, they can go down the road from there. Demko versus DiPietro who gets the nod um, this isn't one of those deals that uh, puts them in a bind for the long term. So, and they they're also keeping the expansion draft in mind as well because yep. they they want to be careful of which goalie they could lose in the expansion draft as well. So I think that also played a role. Um, yeah, that's a good point too. At, from from that perspective, I can understand why they signed Holby and not Marston just because of the term that Marston wasn't going to get in Vancouver. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Like it, it, it Seattle's would be good mentorship for Demko because like Holpe has won a cup. Yeah. So like he can learn from Holpe for two years. No, you do bring up a good point that I hadn't thought about. That like in the next year, Seattle is going to probably take either Holpe or Demko, um, and 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 yeah, because they're they're a pretty good option for either. Um, Okay, uh, Dubnik is going to the Sharks. Um, that one's an interesting one. We kind of talked about that one a bit uh, a couple of minutes ago, but um, it, it is a better option than Martin Jones, um, so it is something, but um, who, like Devin Dubnik also had a sub-900 uh, sub save percentage as well, so um, 
we'll see if it works. But it's kind of interesting. Dubnik, um career tra- trajectory has been very different from everything else. He goes to Edmonton. He doesn't do so well. Um, and then he gets bounced around and then finally finds a place in Minnesota. Um, it's decent for a couple more years. And then, um, and then he, he's not as good. And now he's, um, he's trying to see if he can bounce back in a new system in, in San Jose. So we'll see if it works, but it might not. Um, and, uh, Patrick Marlowe's back on the Sharks. Um, and also Matt Nieto's also back on the Sharks. So, uh, there's some retreads. It's basically, they're the Chicago of the Pacific Division. Um, and, oh, and they also signed, re-signed LeBlanc for $4.75 million for four years. Um, I'm not sure I love that, especially since LeBlanc didn't have the greatest year. Um, so, I'm not sure I love that contract for the Sharks. But, I mean, if he is, if he was as good as he was uh, two years ago, then yeah, it's worth it. But I don't know if it's worth it right now. Yeah, see, the thing about um, the Kevin LeBanc signing is he didn't have a good year, and they were paying him $1 million for one year. Yep. So, like, what in that year warranted this four-year extension? Like, even though it's, like, close to five, not at $5 million, it's close enough to $5 million. It's 4.7-something. I don't think I would have given that contract to the bank. And if I do give that AAV, it's only for one year right. to, to see what he can do. Um, they also get Ryan Donato in a trade with the Minnesota yeah, Wild, so they one. get him I like on, that top of, on top of uh, the Devin Dubnik, which is in a separate trade. So Aaron Dell's likely gone now. Yep. And I, I, I've, I don't know about the death moves by San Jose. I mean, they could turn out to be good, but... I don't think it's really going to make them any better because most of most of the core is relatively unchanged, and I think the fact that that core didn't perform is part of the reason why they're in this mess. So it's going to be up to every single player to work their ass off once the new season begins because if they don't, they're going to be the same old team they were last year, and that's not good. Right, right. Yeah, I think and they're it's... also in cap hell too. I could see them bottoming out again, um, or they like they actually go back to the, being a playoff team it's it's either or they're they're yeah. not yeah they're 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 a 50 50 team i'm not yeah. sure what to expect of them exactly um and then the other stuff that we already talked about uh tyson berry is going to edmonton pool parties resigned uh clef bombs having surgery it seems like he's going to be out the year um so that's unfortunate for him because he had a pretty good yeah. year but um but yeah so it, it looks like he's getting surgery um, and then also Cheyenne Kirk to Anaheim. Um, and we already talked about that. So that's it for us. Um, we somehow managed to just make it to two hours. I thought it was going to be longer just <laughs> about how long we spent on the Atlantic Division, but that's okay. Um, it's explainable because we we're both fans of teams on yeah. that league, um, in that division. Um, anyways, uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud. Um, at Lace Them Up, our uh, our iTunes and Spotify is also with Lace Them Up. Um, our Facebook is Lace Them Up as well, and our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Tuboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 241 of the Lace Them Up Podcast.